630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. McDavid centers. Timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He'll swing it out to the outside and it is to the end zone. Touchdown Eskimos. Darrell Walker. Touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, what a pleasure to speak to you this evening. Inside Sports on Oilers at Eskimos Radio 630. Chet, Eskimos running back C.J. Gable, player of the week in the CFL. 23 carries for a career-high 165 yards. Eskimos back at practice today, getting set to face the Toronto Argos on Saturday afternoon. We'll have it for you on this station. 2 o'clock for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 3.30 with Morley Scott and Dave Campbell. You can text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. As we move along tonight, you'll hear from one of the new Oilers. Well, he's back with the Oilers. Kyle Brodziak signed as a free agent on Sunday. We'll go to Toronto where, uh, man, I've been in uh, touch with a couple of friends in Toronto. My uncle, who lives in Mississauga, texted me on Sunday afternoon saying, well, there it is. Leafs are the favorite to win the Cup. They are going nuts with Tavares fever. They got Tavares fever. And the only solution is more cowbell or something like that. Sean Fitzgerald from uh, the Athletic Toronto will check in. The new head coach of FC Edmonton, Jeff Paulus, will join us in studio. Looking forward to that. Maybe Jeff can help us all out with some of the wildness from the Columbia-England game today. Columbia tying it late. England surviving on penalty kicks. A game, in my mind, marred by a lot of chippy play. Well, I don't mind a little bit of the chippy play. The constant arguing with the referee and the constant delays. Little much for me. Got a little tiring after a while. Maybe we'll uh, get some insight on that from Jeff. I got to get to this, though, in terms of a World Cup story. I'll, I'll just I'll play this story, Kellen. I, I don't, I mean, mm. Maybe, you, I don't know if you've heard this already. I don't know if this is tragic or funny. Did you hear about the octopus? No. Oh, well, you're going to love this. Okay. World Cup predicting octopi have been a thing since 2010 when Paul the octopus sank to stardom by correctly indicating the outcome of every match Germany played. This year it was Japan throwing an octopus in a baby pool and asking it to choose from three baskets of food, one labeled Japan, one with Japan's opponent, and one marked draw. And Rabio the octopus got all three games right in the first round, but then Rabio himself was eliminated. His owner killed him, sent him to market. And what happened to Japan? It stopped swimming, losing its knockout game to Belgium in the last minute. Scott Goldberg, ABC News. Where was the government intervention in that? Come on. So the guy's got got the closest thing you're ever going to get to a magic animal in his possession. (laughs) It correctly predicts Japan's first three games. Japan makes the knockout phase, and he sells it for food. 
Yeah, congrats. Like, Thanks for getting us to, to the knockout phase. By the way, uh, you're sold for dinner. Could have oh, not awesome. made more money by maybe selling tickets for the octopus to make its picks or, or taking bets on what the octopus was going to do? Is the octopus going to be right or wrong? No, he sold the octopus, and, and it's it's been eaten. The, I mean, the, the, the story referenced the other octopi in the past that have been famous predictors of sporting events. This one, the guy's just like, well, he had a good run. Three games. Time to sell him for food. <laughs> hey, Rabio, nice job. You're now getting someone's belly. <laughs> it reminds me of when Homer ate Pinchy. This pet oh, lobster. the lobster, yeah. That, that one episode. Yeah. He was crying at the end as he was dipping Pinchy in, in butter and consuming his wonderful meat. Uh, so anyway, that is your amusing slash tragic story of the day. And I think our latest addition to the Inside Sports World Cup All-Star team is Rabio the Octopus. He definitely gets a memorial patch on the side of the jerseys. <laughs> That's right. We'll, just, we'll throw his initial Just the letter R. Yeah. Yeah, just the letter R. Is is what he would get. So, uh, so our now our updated uh, World Cup All Star team. Uh, English coach Southgate, Nacho, Lukaku, Zuba, Rojo, Morgan Black from Six Thirty Shed, and now Rabio, the octopus. So we got a coach, and uh, we're up to six players. So we still need five more players. Still plenty of games to go. And as now we're getting to the nitty-gritty. So some Absolutely. guys are really going to rise up and try to make the Inside Sports World Cup All-Star team. All right. I, I Look, I just I, if I had an animal that was qu- correctly predicting sporting events, I'm going to try to find a way to, to make money on that or at least milk the notoriety for as long as you can. I mean, I'm not going to wake up one morning and be like, oh, I'll just sell them for food. At least let them live for the end of the World Cup. <laughs> at least let the poor thing see the end of the World Cup. Exactly. That's am unreal. I, am I miss? Maybe I... Look, there's one... This is called inside sports, not inside the Jap, Japanese octopi industry. So maybe I don't understand the supply and demand of these beautiful creatures. <laughs> You can, oh, you can put that in ink. Da, 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 it took, da, da, da. took you a few seconds, sure. but you got it. Yeah, I got it. Gretzky right. texting in tonight. One of my friends on the Ched Twitter line. Hi, Reed and Kellen. I'm very happy with the acquisition of Kyle and company. I think the Oilers did a good job considering their cap space. That is from Bretsky and Kyle Brodziak telling you why he picked the Oilers? A couple of reasons. Um, you know, I think for the family side of things, it, 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 it kind of made sense. Uh, you know, my boys are, are starting to, to get to the age where, uh, you know, being around family and being around uh, people close to us is, is pretty important. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that, that definitely played a big factor. Um, you know, on the, on the hockey side of things, um, you know, I think, you know, being the age that I am, I, I know I only probably have a, a, a few years left to play, and uh, I still don't have a Stanley Cup. So, 
Um, you know, I think joining this team is pretty exciting. Uh, when I look at the, the roster and the, the potential that the lineup has, is uh, is definitely something that was uh, very intriguing for me. So Kyle Brodziak joining the Edmonton Oilers, the two-year contract worth $2.3 million. And, you know, it's uh, interesting. Kyle Brodziak's 33 points last year, like, he would have been... He would have been one of the Oilers' top scorers. He would have been the Oilers' sixth leading scorer. Had one point less than Ryan Strom, one point less than Milan Lucic. He had more than Maroon, but obviously Maroon only played 57 games. So that's something to consider. Fourth-line center, but uh, still decent production. We'll see where he fits. Well, we know where he's going to fit in onto uh, an Oilers lineup that, that still has a lot of question marks. I think for the Oilers, and I'm going to get to some of your octopus texts in a couple seconds because there's been a couple good ones coming in. But just to, uh, just, I, I think the Oilers, and Peter Shirelli said it with his clips on the weekend about improvement, that, that he thinks there will be a lot of players who bounce back. I think that's fair, but it's still a team with a lot of ifs or. Or will they be able to? Will Kajula be able to stay healthy and score consistently? Will uh, Sekera bounce back and uh, be healthy and play better? Will Benning take a step forward in his career? Can Nurse maybe grow a, a little bit more? Who's going to score on the wings? Uh, what's going to happen? Will Yamamoto step up? Will Puliyarvi step up? Who is Reader going to turn out to be on this team? Uh, will Ryan Strom be able to be a, a, a productive third-line center? I mean, of the, there are three guys on the roster who definitely aren't question marks, and that's... Big David, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins. I would think Larson isn't a question mark, even though he had a tough, you know, two-thirds of the season. Uh, and obviously his father passing figured into that. So I would think he's going to bounce back. There's still, there's still a lot of question marks for the Oilers for them to get back into the playoffs, which I think they can do. I don't think it's a championship-caliber roster. I do think they can get into the playoffs. I don't think the Pacific Division is going to be overly strong. So I, I think that they can grab a spot. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to be uh, an upper-level team, though, in the NHL. Now, the other way to look at it is it, all those question marks I mentioned with some of the depth guys on the roster, how much do those matter if, A, the power play is lethal, and, B, Talbot is, say, a top-12 goalie in the NHL? I mean, that, that would be my question to you as, as fans of the team and observers of the team. Are, is this a team with, with a bunch of you know, medium-sized question marks, like 8, 10, 12 question marks concerning guys or some of the special teams? Or are there really just two big question marks, goaltending and special teams? And, and if those are better, then it doesn't matter if Drake Kajula scores 17 goals or 12 because they'll be allowing fewer goals and the stars on the power play will be getting more points. That, you know, that, that's another way to look at it. If, if those two areas improve significantly, then, you know, if guys don't take huge step forwards, is it going to hurt the team? 616, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Okay. Uh, Trucker Dave says, Hi, Reed. I have to agree with Bretsky. Good moves by the Oilers over the weekend. Uh, Jet Solver, I hope I'm saying that right, says, uh, LOL, I traded these magic beans for Uber takeaway, and all I got was some lousy calamari. Oh, jeez. Calamari's squid, isn't it? Uh, I believe Does so, octopus yeah. have another name? I think octopus is just octopus. I don't know. Or I'll, can calamari also be octopus? I'll give it a Google and see. And the Fizzler, entertaining young man, 
He goes, at least the octopus went... <laughs> I can't... This is... At least the octopus went out as a champion and didn't live off past glories for 30 years. LOL. The Fizzler... Wow. The Fizzler... Uh, always, really? The Fizzler always happy to uh, take shots at the Oilers' ineptitude since their last Stanley Cup in 1990. Now, Fizzler, I got to challenge you here. Would an octopus even live 30 years? Now we also have to find out life expectancy of octopi. Okay, so well, calamari, a lot what of it is, and here. life expectancy of we, octopi. We are, gotcha. we are covering a lot of ground here. I'll get to more of your texts at 6.30, 6.30. We have uh, some Eskimo stuff coming up. CJ Gable, a player of the week. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Blue Jays trailing the Mets 5-0 that game in the top of the fifth. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Text to 630-630. This person says, not sure if you've uh, mentioned this World Cup story, but a player on the Nigerian team whose father was kidnapped right before the first game for Nigeria. Check it out if you haven't already seen it. Yes, that is true. The captain of the Nigeria team revealing that kidnappers uh, abducted and threatened to murder his father hours before actually their final World Cup match last week. The dad was eventually rescued by police in a gun battle. Uh, Six days he was gone. He was tortured. So, yeah, pretty scary stuff, but uh, luckily the dad was mentioned. Thanks to that texture for bringing that in, 630-630. We'll talk a little bit more about World Cup and local soccer with uh, Jeff Paulus. He's the new coach of FC Edmonton. That was announced today, and uh, he's going to be in studio. So he'll tell us about that job. He's been running the FC Edmonton Academy for the last few years. All right. Uh, Sheldon says, Reed, I asked this. Uh, to somebody else earlier, would it be better off for cap purposes to trade Lucic and retain a third or possibly half of his salary, or would it be better to keep him for one more year and then go through the buyout process regardless if anything comes back in the trade? That is from Sheldon. Well, yeah, Sheldon, I mean, I I still think he's likely going to get a chance to play. Um, Here's my question, Sheldon. How much value does... The way he played the last half of the season and the amount of time, five years, that's left on his contract, even if the Oilers retain a salary, a portion of his salary, how much more appealing does that make him to other teams? Because I I really think it's the five years left that is going to be tough for other teams to buy into, even if they're not paying the entire salary. Uh, Would it be better for the Oilers to retain? Well, you know, maybe if you want to get rid of them that badly, but I think you'd still have to retain that over the life of the deal. So you're still, I mean, you buy them out, you're, you're paying them to not play for you for several years. You retain, you're paying them to not pay for you for several years. I, I don't know what to tell you, Sheldon. There's no, uh, there's no happy, happy solution to this one. I think he might get a, back, a chance to be on the team and hopefully play better than he did through the second half of last year. Darcy says, uh, really, same defense. Likely will be up again to Talbot to provide the saves. Clefbaum and Secker will have to have great seasons. McDavid and Nugent Hopkins will have to provide tons of offense. Making the playoffs will be a challenge. That is from Darcy. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think, and look, I'm not 
And, and you know what, guys? Last summer, I didn't. I wasn't one of the people on the Oilers going to win the Stanley Cup train. I, I thought they could be in the playoffs. I thought maybe they could even finish first in the division. I think I picked them to once we got to it in the fall. I didn't think they were quite a Stanley Cup team last year. Um, there, there are certain things that make me optimistic about the, the coming year. There are some question marks, probably more than I had last summer, about, about how they're going to do. Um, you know, I, I, I do think they can get into the playoffs. I think they got, the, they obviously have the highest scoring guy in the league. I think Talbot's going to work to bounce back. I think he'll be pushed by Koskinen, hopefully. But does it does it come? My my question was: Does it come down to all the little question marks I mentioned, or does it really just come down to goaltending and having better special teams? Like, what if the what if Talbot goes from two years ago? Talbot's top five in the league. This past year, he's bottom five. If he's the twelfth best starting goalie of the NHL this season, I'll pick a reasonably you know above, achievable above average number. If he's the twelfth best goalie in the league. And the Oilers' special teams are both in the top half of the league after both being in the bottom six. Think how many goals against that saves and think how many extra goals for that would bring about. Probably enough to get you into the playoffs. Maybe not enough to get you, you know, 110 points, but it would probably enough to at least be a wildcard team. If, 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 those, if those things happen, if just those two things take care of themselves, that, that's probably going to make the biggest difference of all. And then we're not debating, well, is Kajula going to score 15 goals or 10, right? And, and maybe the power play is better, he gets a few more. That, that, that's what I'm saying with that. Uh, we can, because the, the goaltending and the special teams are the two biggest aspects of the game. Now, if Talbot's who he is, too, I mean, heck, if Talbot would have been who he was in the playoff season, they might have been close to getting in this year. That's how good he was. Anyway, uh, Kirk says, are we getting Maroon back? No, would be my answer to that. This texture says, I'd keep Lucic, let him play it, play it out, then next year hold back a million and a half and move him on. He'd be more attractive with four years left at 4.5 million. Uh, D says, uh, we can't buy Lucic out. Tell your texter, Sheldon, Lucic is a lawyer, uh, an oiler for years to come. And Brad says, leave Lucic alone. He'll bounce back and be just fine. Ask his teammates how many want him on the team, and 100% of them will say yes. That is a text from Brad to 63630. You can keep the text rolling in. The Fizzler has not written back with the life expectancy of an octopus, and I'm extremely disappointed. Oh, Kellen. No, no, Kellen. We're going to challenge the... the Fizzler's got homework here. We're not going to bail him out. Okay, but I found out what uh, Calamari really oh, is. go ahead. Okay, so Calamari is squid. Octopus as food, as food is called octopus. That's it. That's what I thought. All right. Calamari's good. Very good. That's, that's, that's my observation for the evening. We will go to Toronto, where they're going crazy for the Stanley Cup on July 3rd. Sean Fitzgerald from The Athletic when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, so the Eskimos practicing today. They will play at Toronto on Saturday. 
Two o'clock for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30 Ched game at 3.30. It's a home-and-home home with the Argos. Toronto will be here on Friday, July 13th. Then the Eskimos go into their bye week. That's actually the only home game in the month of July for the Green and Gold. C.J. Gable, player of the week in the CFL, reeled off 165 yards against the BC Lions on Friday. Also, Blue Bombers quarterback Matt Nichols has been taken off the six-game injured list. Team Brick Alberta playing in the Brick Invitational at the Ice Palace at West Edmonton Mall. They are 2-0. They won both their games yesterday. They will play the Toronto Bulldogs at 8.50 tonight. That tournament going on all week. Tim Hunter has been named the coach of the Canadian World Junior Team for the tournament this Christmas season in Vancouver and Victoria. Edmonton Prospects set to go at 7 o'clock tonight against Melville. It was great to have Rich Walker on the show last night who threw the first perfect game in Western Major League Baseball history on Friday night in Fort McMurray. The Prospects won that game 4 nothing. from May 2nd, 1967. The last time the Toronto Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup. Will those words be said again in June of 2019 as we bring in Sean Fitzgerald from The Athletic in Toronto? Sean, I had to find that audio. That's in, that's some incredible black and white footage there, buddy. Sounds just like yesterday, doesn't it? Just like it's, it's just that fresh in the memory. It's, it's yeah. hard to believe it's been that long. It was just... Just like it happened last weekend. It's uh, an incredible drought for Canada. 1993, the last Canadian team to win the Stanley Cup. That was obviously the Canadians. Uh, the Oilers won the Cup in 90. Flames were in 89. Uh, then what do we have? Jets and Canucks, uh, never. Senators, never. At least the modern incarnation. And uh, the Leafs going back to 1967. So it's it's been tough. If you would have told me in 1993, even if the league would have expanded to 30 teams, I would have said, no way. It's going to take 25 years for a Canadian team. But that's where we're sitting. You know what? As long as everybody goes out there and has fun playing a game, isn't that really all that matters <laughs> that, in the end? That's really all that matters. Just go out there and have fun, right? Like it's, that's what we care about, I think. Is that what we tell ourselves now? It's twenty-five years. I think. I think. I think we've got to that level. I don't know what the the sixth stage of grief might be, but rationalizing that that would be my that would be my nominee for stage number six. Speaking of which, before I get to the Tavares mania in your fine city, you are joining me after coaching. What was it? A U seven soccer game? It sure was. Oh my, that was intense. I mean, <laughs> England, Colombia, sure some intensity, a little bit of drama, but nothing on these U seven kids. These U7 kids, man, they're fearless, they're they're unbreakable. It's basically like, it, I don't know if you remember university, but, you know, you had those Frosh Week games or maybe you had a couple adult beverages. It's exactly the same as that, except everybody's four feet tall. So try wrangling that. That's intensity, my friend. <laughs> There's no diving, I hope. Sir Alex Ferguson has nothing on me. He'd be, he'd be texting me after the game saying, I don't know how you did that. That was a triumph of the human spirit. I, I surrender my coaching scepter to you, sir. At least that's what I tell myself. <laughs> that's that's all. You're home. so you're so modest, Sean. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you're so, yeah. Now, how much? I, I got to ask this because I, I don't I, I don't have I don't have kids, so my youth sports are. You are want some? I can for, I can get an Uber. Yeah, yeah, just drive them across. Mail. Send. Put them in an Uber. <laughs> all right. They can, we'll get them in an Uber. I got I got a basement and a PlayStation. They'll be fine. Perfect. Uh, Clear well, out your Friday morning. That's when they'll arrive. <laughs> what what how what kind of t- 
tactics can you introduce in U7 soccer? Like, are there even positions, or are you just happy if they pay attention for the whole game? We have a strict no dandelion picking policy. Um, I mean, that's, that's loser talk, right? You're sitting there picking dandelions. Like, you, you know, you can pick some grass maybe, but no, stay away from the dandelions. We, we let them go and try and focus on the ball. Okay, good no, stuff. It, it, it's fun. It's, it really is amazing. It's, these kids are, it really is like university, and they are all potentially a couple of adult beverages in it, and they're all four feet tall, and they're having the time of their lives, and it really is one of the greatest things I've ever done. Well, that's all hilarious. Good, good for you for doing that, and and, uh, and thanks for rolling with the, the jokes about it, too. Hey, uh, no, what no, what what, serious. What, a, what, what a story. Uh, you know, look, we, we've seen in the past, Sean, that a lot of times in, in hockey, when a big name's going to be an unrestricted free agent, A, a lot of times he doesn't even get there because teams ex- extend him before he even gets the chance or something last minute happens, like with Stamkos. And I kind of thought, yeah, Lamarillo's going to go in there and, and he's going to make sure Tavares sticks around. But then once the calendar turned to July 1st, I thought, I wonder where he's going. And uh, and he goes to Toronto. I know he had the big news conference on, on Sunday. Uh, just your impressions of maybe some of the things he said. I know he, he posted the photo of the, the Maple Leafs pajamas from, from when he was a kid. Once once you saw him in Toronto and he, and he was under the media glare and all that kind of stuff, what were some of your impressions of that? You're right. I mean, in Toronto, and again, yeah, 1967 is a real thing, but... Um, you know, Toronto has signed big-name, unrestricted free agents before, but it's usually been about a decade past their best-before date. Like, Toronto signed Eric Lindros, but that was in 2005, and it was Eric Lindros' second last year. Uh, they signed Gary Roberts, but, you know, it was 12 years after Gary Roberts, you know, won the Stanley Cup with that team just north, uh, south of you that we shall not name. Um, so they, they usually got guys, but it was it was usually as a symbolic act of repatriation. Like, you know, yeah, you know, it's fulfilling a career-long dream I want to end off in Toronto, that sort of thing. What John Tavares is different because, you know, he's 27, and maybe if you really want to get into it, you can debate if he's at his peak or if he's past it, but he's really close to it either way. Um, but I think all of the factors and the timing, which they repeated a lot, not just Tavares, but, you know, Kyle Dubas, the general manager, Brendan Shanahan, the president, that, you know, the Leafs are a team right now. You know, they have holes, yes, right defense is, is an issue, but their core is young. And their core hasn't even really hit their full stride yet. Like Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander. Um, so their window, the first thing that they can offer is their window of competition. So if you're going to sign a seven-year deal, their window of competition will be open, arguably, for most, if not all, of those seven years. San Jose, they might have a stronger team, but their window is going to be a lot shorter. So if you sign and four years from now, that team might not be very good. Same with the other ones. Um, and the other thing is, too, that, yeah, you mentioned hockey players tend to be pretty reserved. Steven Stamkos, Rick Nash is another one. He, he could have become UFA in 09, but he signed an eight-year deal to stay in Columbus. So I think the thing that, that worked for all the other teams bidding for Tavares was just the state of the New York Islanders. You know, they're going to be splitting you know, their homes. The, the team isn't very good around him. The, you know, trending down. They haven't won. They haven't built the team around him. They you know, the, the question of are you going to be in Brooklyn or Long Island, all of these things was just enough to sort of shake him loose from that tether, and then the market was open. I, I can only imagine the reaction in, in, in the city of Toronto. I, I mentioned earlier, I, I got an uncle who lives in Mississauga, and I was here at the station uh, keeping an eye on Oilers uh, free agency, and we wound up doing a bit of a show Sunday afternoon. 
I got an uncle who texts me. He goes, well, Leafs are the favorites to win it all now. And then Bodog <laughs> puts out the odds. And, uh, you know, I know I got some uh, Alberta friends who have moved to Toronto. And they're like, yeah, people are going, people are going crazy. And look, I, I, you know, it's, it's fun. Why, why wouldn't you go crazy? Um, but somebody texted in, hey, Reed, uh, Ken texted in. He says, Reed, the Leafs won't win the Stanley Cup. They don't have enough defense. Look, it's a long way between now and the trade deadline and what their roster could look like. But in your mind, and, and they were, what, fifth or sixth overall this past season, in your mind, does this elevate them to the top, or are you still kind of like, hold on, they're good. I'm not sure if they're championship good for this year. They're good. Um, just look at, look, at their, look at their middle. So you can roll out a 1-2-3, and you can debate the order of the first two, but you can roll out Austin Matthews, and you pin a, you pin a defense in deep, they ice the puck after, a, say, a 65-second shift, so they're exhausted. They're like, okay, finally, Austin Matthews is off the ice. Then all of a sudden you look, it's like, wait, that's John Tavares coming over the bench, and that's Mitch Marner beside him, and oh, sweet Jesus, I'm exhausted, and there you <laughs> go. And if you get through both of them, you have Nazem Kadri, who's you know no slouch and a former first-round pick in his own right. So down the middle... You know, the Leafs have a center depth that they haven't had in, honestly, 70 years since guys like Max Bentley were playing in Toronto. So center depth, and you can look at their top nine, and then, and I'm not embellishing because I am in Toronto and I'm, I'm looking right at the CN Tower as we speak, but you can look at their, their top nine and say, well, who's better? Who's mm-hmm. deeper? Who's got more skill? Who's got more youth? Who's got more going for them? I mean, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Patrick Marlowe, like Nazem Kadri. you throw all those names in, you're like, well, well who's going to... Who's going to keep up with them? So you also have, you know, Morgan Riley, who's a really good defenseman. Uh, Jake Gardner, you know, can be hit and miss. But, again, really offensive-minded, really skilled. Um, they do. They have on the right side they need help. But, like, you just take a look at the forward units, and you're like, well, that's, that's just a really impressive unit right now. Sean Fitzgerald joining us from the Athletic Toronto. They're they're going to be a compelling team to watch. I mean, even if they weren't already in Toronto. I mean, I mean that's like you mentioned all the great young players. Now adding Tavares, uh, they got you know one of the best coaches in the game. I'm curious to see Sean and and I went through it here last summer where a lot of people and a lot of national media, not Edmonton media, though some did, were saying, well, the Oilers, you know, Stanley Cup pick or Western Conference pick. Uh, now the two Canadian teams that are going to have that spotlight on them, I, I, I would think, unless there are some other drastic changes before the season starts, I would think are going to be Winnipeg and Toronto, right? And we saw yeah. it in Edmonton. They started poorly, and I think they got a little rattled, and they didn't block out the outside noise, and it was you know, pretty much a, a waste of the year. That, that, that losing streak December, January pretty much ended the playoff hopes. So that's what, that's what I'm curious now how the Jets and the Leafs are going to handle these expectations, you know, how Hellebuck will, uh, how Hellebuck will play, you know, year two as the guy in Winnipeg, how uh, Tavares and Matthews react the first time they have a stretch where they go 1-5-1, and one, all those things now. I think now the mental side of it for the Jets and the Leafs is as interesting as anything else. The interesting thing here is from a Toronto perspective, and again, I know everybody loves when I keep saying the word Toronto, I'll just keep saying Toronto, um, <laughs> is that, you know, the Leafs are, yeah, the Oilers, I thought they'd be much better. But the Leafs are in a position where, you know, it's imagine the Oilers heading into last year if they also had Taylor Hall in the lineup. Like that sort of, that sort of elite level of skill is sort of the way they can spread it out here. And the, the difference I would also say is that the depth that the Maple Leafs have built organizationally is probably a little bit better. Like, the Toronto Marlies are just coming off a Calder Cup championship that 
they had a, a couple of players down there that you're going to see in the big lineup next year, Travis Dermott on defense, um, most notably, and, and maybe even the goaltender. So if you do look at, say, Freddie Anderson and say, well, he's played a lot of hockey, he's going to be tired, and what if he gets injured? Well, they have Garrett Sparks, who just won a, you know, a professional championship. So, you know, they do have the depth. Now, yeah, nobody wins the Stanley Cup on July 1st. Um, you don't lose it either. But, yeah, I, I think that, you know, the Leafs have depth. They have they have questions that they're probably going to have to address, but this legitimately, since that clip you played in 1967, is probably the greatest license fans in Toronto have had for hope in generations. Well, you know what? I, I agree with you, Sean, and, and and you know what it's like. I mean, Canadian hockey fans, let's face it, I, I, I'm going to say this to people listening, and they'll probably laugh and be like, yeah, he's right, I am. Canadian hockey fans are nuts. And, you know, and I'm, I'm still one of them, even though I, I work in the media. Like, you're, you know, fan comes from fanatic, right? That you're not normal when you watch hockey. You're normal in every other area of your life. Those two and a half hours you're watching a game, you turn into a crazy person. But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I know, you know, I, I know how the rest of the country feels about hearing about Toronto. And I think maybe some of those past signings, you made a great point where, uh, you know, Leafs Nation would be getting excited about Jason Allison or Eric Lindros, and as you said, well, wait a minute, you're getting him at the end of his career. Uh, this really is different, and, and I think for if people take off their Toronto-hating glasses, and that's part of the fun, uh, is having the hating glasses, but if you take those off, like, and this were the uh, uh, Carolina Hurricanes roster, you'd be sitting there saying, man, that's, that's, that's a damn good team. Like, I think it is much more of a realistic expectation this year as a pair to, uh, compared to some of those past big names they brought in. Yeah, and the other thing is, too, I mean, we talk about attention that, you know, there are going to be some teams that are competing in Canada. There's going to be some teams that are in the middle, but there are going to be potentially three teams that are just, just awful. Like just, you know, you look at Ottawa, you look at Montreal, you look at Vancouver, like those could be three really bad teams that, that might have just missed the playoffs, even though we're only in July 3rd. So, you know, when you look at, you know, which teams are going to get attention, you know, Winnipeg, Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, um, that, that'll focus, I think, the lens even tighter, which, which, you know, could be good or bad, that if they do get off to that slow start, then, then yeah, the screws do get tightened a little bit, and it'll be interesting to see how they react. But I think, I think they've got the depth that, you know, numerically, you know, with the, the advanced stats, uh, it's going to be... It would take a monumental something for them, you know, not to get off to at least a very decent start. All right. Well, uh, just fax me the parade route, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> love that. I'm not even sure some of those streets exist from the last time they had a parade route. They might have been paved over and put buildings on it. So I don't a, think it's that's a good it's point. Like the city, like tectonically, the tectonic plates might have actually shifted so that. <laughs> We cannot have the parade on the same route because it doesn't exist they theologically got, anymore. they got to clear the dinosaur bones out of the way. That's right. 100%. <laughs> hey, Sean, it's always fun to have you on the show. Uh, we got to do this more often because it's uh, it's been too long since we had you on. Thanks for checking in tonight, and uh, thanks for giving us your soccer coaching tales as well. This was fun, buddy. <laughs> thanks for having me, and have a great week. That is Sean Fitzgerald. He's with the Athletic in Toronto, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I get all the all of you who are saying I'm sick of hearing about the, this team and uh, how many times in the past have we heard that the Leafs are going to be this, this, and this, and they're never that good. I, I think this is different. They legitimately could be that good. It is six forty nine. Inside Sports on six thirty. Chet. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins.
for stopping by tonight. It is 6.52. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports is the show. We're with you all week here. Uh, got some fun stuff planned for you this week, and we're working on some special guests too. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate that you can tune in tonight. 6.52 is the time of day. Uh, Eskimos game is coming up on Saturday against the Toronto Argos. Eskimos 2-1, and one, really impressive performance against the BC Lions. Slow start, then pulled away. 2 o'clock for the countdown to kick off, 3.30 for the actual start of the game. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. And if you uh, ever want to send me an email, and we've got some great guest suggestions through email, it is simply inside sports at 630ched.com. This texter says, a great interview with Sean Fitzgerald, very entertaining. And then that texture adds, no, I am not related. <laughs> Appreciate it. Not related to neither me nor Sean. Uh, Sean's an entertaining guy. We've had him on in the past. Used to cover the Canadian Football League, now working for The Athletic out of Toronto. And I, and look, I, I, I think the Leafs hype is real. You, you signed John Tavares, you got... He and Matthews and Kadri down the middle. He mentioned some of the other exciting young players. They had a couple of defensemen that put up really good seasons. Anderson was solid in net. They got Babcock coaching. They should be, no disrespect to the Winnipeg Jets, they should be the best Canadian team. Now, a year ago, we were saying the Edmonton Oilers should be the best uh, Canadian team, and the Oilers didn't live up to the hype, maybe couldn't handle the hype. So, look, it's very simple, everybody. And I know many of you hate the Toronto Maple Leafs and don't want to hear about them. But if if you believe the hype affected the Oilers and you hate the Toronto Maple Leafs, then you should be talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs as much as you can to everybody and telling everybody how good they're going to be. <laughs> and then you're, you know, it'll be like a butterfly flapping its wings in Hong Kong and causing a hurricane in Carolina. You slowly spread the hype, the expectations. Eventually, that reaches John Tavares as he's lying there in his Leafs pajamas. He, the whispers get to him. The whispers get to him. Seep into his mind. And he can't block it out during the season. And they don't do well. That's what you should be doing if you're a Leafs hater, is talking about it all the time. Uh, Harry says, Reed, I find that Peter Shirelli continues to find comfort in mediocrity, saving money by not signing Drake Kajula and Ryan Strom, as well as sending Montoya to the AHL, would have given the Oilers room to sign James Neal and shore up the top six. Shirelli continues to display obtuse tendencies with his signings and myopic approach with his signings. Hopefully, the real signings that will bear fruit for us will be the coaching staff. That is from Harry. Well, you know what, Harry? I, I will say this. I think the biggest off-season choices, the biggest off-season changes by the Oilers that will have the biggest effect are is is indeed are indeed the changes to the coaching staff. Uh, you bring in some new voices. You bring in two guys who have been previous NHL coaches, Gullitson and Yanni. 
You bring in a guy who uh, may not be younger in terms of age, but is younger in terms of his coaching career, who had a great year in the WHL, Manny Vivrios. And uh, I think they needed some new ideas on the PK. I think they needed need some new ideas on the power play. And I think just they need so, some new voices. I, I think there was a breakdown with Jimmy Johnson and some of the defensemen uh, that hurt the Oilers this past year. So, yeah, we can talk about Brodziak and Reader, and, the, and that's all exciting, and guys bouncing back. The coaching staff, the biggest changes uh, for sure. For sure, for the Oilers. Uh, I mean, could have they let Kajula, Kajula and Strom walk? Sure, but then you got to try to replace them with, with people that are better. James Neal would have helped. You're still short of position there. So, yeah, fair enough. I mean, I get the criticism of Shirelli for sure. I mean, I know there's a lot of talk about Koskinen. Why did he give a backup goalie that much money? Some of the past contracts. He Shirelli's done some interesting things. I, I think he's done some good depth things. I think the team is drafting a lot better with he and uh, and Keith Gretzky doing that sort of stuff. But, yeah, clearly some of the big trades, given what happened last year, haven't looked very good for the Oilers. Can't argue that. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates from Northern Chicken. Book the Rumpus Room for up to 12 of your closest friends and dig in for a family-style chicken picnic at northchickenyeg.com. You can also visit them at 124th Street and 107th Avenue. Uh, this texter says, what was your song a couple minutes ago? Was that Unskinny Bop by Poison? Yeah, it was. From uh, their album Flesh and Blood, which I bought on tape at the Evansburg grocery store. It's also on their uh, Greatest Hits CD, if you're into the Greatest Hits CDs. Thank you, Kellen. <laughs> All right, we're coming up to the 7 o'clock news. He's standing by to join us. The new coach of FC Edmonton, Jeff Paulus. want to ask him about getting the job and about some of the antics today in the Columbia-England game. That was pretty interesting. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Talk to you in a few minutes. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.